All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. I'm not hearing you. Okay, I think I'm, I'm being yeah, picked up, though. Okay. <laughs> so, in any case, we have Michael Dorado, actor. Uh, have you ever directed before? Yes, I have. Yeah, director and a member of the board. I believe you will be, well, you were, and you'll be again a member of the board of Bendelsif Studios. Really? Michael Dorado. Nice. Yeah. You yeah. heard it first here. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Mike? It's going, man. Yeah, it's going. You, we haven't been on stage. We we were on stage uh, in 2011, 2011 on Stiff doing a Tip Jar, a part mm-hmm. of uh, Stories High 12, I think. It was Stories High 12. That was the very first Stories High in the brand new theater space. That's, that's right. It was oh, very, wow. very yeah. momentous. So it was like a event. huge deal. It was, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, it was fan-fantastic. So it's great to have you again. And yeah. we took a picture together. We were, at, we're all at the Chieftain. Mm-hmm. Me and Norman. And, it must uh, have been that night. That is, that's that trip. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, we we had Jed on. We had Jed on. He uh, he did a um, interview here, and uh, we talked about that. And now, right. moment it was for him. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was, a, it was his first time acting. Right. It was. Yeah. It was. And, and he, um, he did a magnificent job. Yeah. It was. It was. A, it was an amazing show. And it was just very emotional for everybody. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I talked about E, who mm-hmm. had passed away. Yes. And uh, that was very emotional. It, he passed away just before, maybe a week or two weeks before yeah. um, the show went up. So yeah. there were lots of um, good emotions, bad emotions, and, yep. you know, a lot, lot of Well, lot we of felt things. his presence for sure. And, Absolutely, you know, yeah. from that moment on, we do have a chair up in the top mm-hmm. that's reserved for E. Oh, yeah. great. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. We, we, we do feel his presence, and uh, it was a uh, yeah highs and lows for sure. But it was um, mm-hmm. a very memorable time. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I was very proud to be a part of that moment. Before we go on, how's your week, Norman? Exhausting. <laughs> well, you had an exhausting day. You just got back from doing something. Well, right? I just uh, so this week I started. I um, do this uh, summer intensive at the Eugene O'Neill Dow House in Danville, up on the hill in Danville, and that's the barn, right? Well, yeah, the performance and and the center of our mm-hmm. of our intensive is the barn. Um, we have access to the main house. We have there's an old barn that's where we work, and there's a new barn. And the kids, it, we say the new barn, and the kids look at it like that building. It's like yeah, that building's older than you guys, but mm-hmm. but that's the <laughs> new barn. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, writing and acting, um, eight thirty till about three thirty mm-hmm. for staff. Yeah, kids, it's nine to three. And uh, we bring in high schoolers from, you know, the 680 corridor mostly. But we reached out to Berkeley. We got some kids from there. And there was someplace else where the kids are traveling a distance. And they said one year they had a kid who was coming in all the way from San Francisco. I'm like, yeah, I'm not not pushing for that because that's a hard commute. But anyway, it is a hard commute for me. I get there okay. I get through a whole day of running programs. And then I can barely make it home. So, like last night, I <laughs> yeah. screamed. I was telling Mike, I screamed all the way, or about halfway. I screamed from around the curve, um, 580, you know, coming from uh, 680, mm-hmm. from around the Castro Valley curve all the way home, just screaming and trying to stay in my lane. And even then, I could barely do it. I kept thinking, just pull over, just pull over. And I was like, well, one more exit, one more exit. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and then I was within three exits of home, and I was like, okay, just get there. And even today, I pulled off because I was like, I am exhausted. And then I saw your message, and I was like, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. glad to be here. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. No, I think about the primal scream. I think that was big in the 80s, or at least I heard about it from. It's exactly the same kind of thing I was, okay. I was saying before mm-hmm. we started recording um, that I do something I call a skull scream. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I learned from voice work. You know, all that stuff, like the reason we do voice work for stage is to protect the voice, is to use the voice correctly <coughs> so that you don't damage it. Right. But it turns out the human body can actually make all kinds of sound and all kinds of different sounds without damaging the voice. Um, and the skull scream is one of the most extreme ones where you put this high sound up into your skull. The skull's a big resonator, sure. right? So you get that resonation yeah. all the way up top, and it's basically a scream. And you were saying, is it emotional or whatever? I'm like, it's connected to everything. When I was in college, mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend, and she would lose it in the voice class. She would start crying. And the first time they, like, stopped, and the teacher explained that these emotions get released. It's okay. 
She sat to the side, caught her breath. She joined back in. After a few weeks of this, it got to the point where the teacher just ignored her. She'd lose it, and the teacher just put him in her chair and keep teaching. She didn't even pay any attention. Uh, yeah, we talked about that, how yeah. wow. I know, like when I was at NYU, we would have these massage um, mm. sessions, mm. and you can hold emotions yes. within yeah. your body. Right. And the resonators, you're absolutely right. There are three resonators. We have the chest resonator, right. we have the nasal resonator, right. resonator, and the head. Yeah. And I hardly think about the head, but no, you absolutely need all three right. to uh, to function and to really put your whole body, your whole voice right. in motion. Mm-hmm. Did you ever uh, learn all that stuff, Mike? I did. In fact, just the other day, um, was it yesterday? I was uh, driving in the car. I was not sleepy. I was not tired, but I was very, very emotional hmm. about a particular thing. And the it's hard for me as a parent to show a certain level of emotion around my kids. Yeah. Yeah, I hear So you. driving in a car alone sometimes is like the spot sure. where, where I can actually do it. And I was just on my way to pick up my nine-year-old or oh, eight-year-old going on nine mm-hmm. uh, from her aftercare, and I had about six minutes in the car. So right. there was some primal screaming going on <laughs> Interesting. at that moment, and it was a very necessary release Yeah. Um, before I kind of got down to the business of, being a dad. Right. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. It's interesting how I'm always fascinated by how people deal with emotions. I mean, you know, we read about how people don't deal with emotions or not deal with it constructively in the news all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, letting off the steam that way is definitely, I would say, better than doing a slow burn with your kids where you snap at them at every little thing right. sure. that irritates yeah, you. Yeah, holding it in is never good. I mean, right. you've yeah. got to have a way of emoting it and getting it out of the way. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing a, mm-hmm. so uh, tomorrow my kids will well. So tomorrow we started this program. Mm-hmm. There are writers and there are actors. The writers will present rough drafts of the shorts that they've been working on for the last few right. days. Um, the actors have been working on some scenes. One of the scenes is from a show that Oakland Public Theater actually did in, back in the day called Finding Claire. Mm-hmm. Beautiful play um, about a very hard family. Uh, Claire, the main character, is mm-hmm. a woman who, as a teenager, gave up her baby to adoption because her mother is such a domineering person. Mm. She still lives with her mother. It's almost 30 years later. This young woman has found out who she was and gotten in touch with her, mm-hmm. and she's having feelings about it. Well, the scene that we're working on is the Lily, the grandmother, Claire, and her other young daughter who is now pregnant and talking about giving up a child for adoption. She knows nothing about this other history. Mm. And this is the scene mm-hmm. where all this information starts to come out. And the text is, these people are harsh. They're harsh towards <laughs> each other. So the actors go to that place where they're just like yelling and angry at each other. And I said, you love each other and you need each other. And the more you can find that, the more you will be vulnerable enough so that you really get hurt by the things that are said. Because that's what we need to see. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of yelling. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. And it's fascinating. I mean, I wish I could see more theater productions where you deal with family issues or whatever. I mean, we deal with a little bit of that with Four Men in Paris, which Mm -hmm. we're going to be doing in October. But you're absolutely right. If you go to that high level, there was a show that I saw. Uh, maybe a little less than a month ago. Uh-huh. I'm not going to mention the show because I don't want to. It's okay. a bit of constructive criticism, but the actress stayed at this one high emotion uh-huh. mm-hmm. as far as, I don't know, yelling or emoting or dealing with it. And I was like, okay, where is she going to go? Because right. she's already up top. Right. She's already at 11. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, you, there's got to be some nuance. Right. Well, otherwise, you're just going to torture the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay. what we ended up working on today. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought, and it's so funny. There are parts of the program that I have in my head, like it's solid in my head. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're aiming at. This is day one, day two, whatever. I knew that day three I wanted to bring in a different lesson, and I knew vaguely what it was going to be. And then I woke up last night, and I was like, oh, tactics. We're going to do a thing on tactics. Mm. And tactics, you know, if you know this idea in theater of an objective, that your character has some thing that they're trying to get, that they want. Mm -hmm. And there are obstacles. There are tactics that you use to get through those obstacles. And when it's an interpersonal obstacle, like you might beat up the bad guy. But what happens when the bad guy is actually your brother or Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Your father, Luke. <laughs> right. I'm your father. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just shoot him, <clears throat> especially in that moment of revelation. You just have to kind of go yep. say what? 
uh, ooh, oh, you're getting away. I, I got to process this. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Right. Those are gorgeous, beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so today we did a lesson in tactics. And what I love about the lesson is you go through all this stuff, you talk about it, and then you start working with the kids to generate ideas. And then you make lists. You make a column, A and column B. And A is like I ask for something, and column B is I, you say no. And the next thing for column A might be I beg, mm-hmm. and you ignore me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I offer to do something, and you laugh at me. You know, and it's just – a neat way to think about analyzing a script, particularly when you're doing scene work, because mm-hmm. it's so easy to get to one note yes. uh-huh. and just say, oh, my character says no, and I'm just going to say no the whole scene. That's a boring scene. Yep. Where, yeah. What is the moment in the scene where you were most enticed yeah. to possibly give in? And that's a very important thing, because if I, when I get a script, I'm always thinking, okay, what are the five or six or seven ways that I can do this thing Mm -hmm. instead of just doing it just one way? Right. And one of the fun things about doing scene work, like getting on your feet, especially when you're off book, is that you can take these different avenues and try to go different ways. Right. And find these different things. Like, okay, this tactic isn't working. Let me try that tactic or whatever. Right. And uh, and getting a different reaction from your partner. It's like, oh, wow, he's doing something different. Yeah. And that's when, you know, the magic begins. Well, yep. it was gorgeous to watch because yes. then also I react to you. Instead of reading the text and say, oh, you say this line when mm-hmm. I say I say this right. line and you respond with this. When you do it the way you do it, then I kind of have to go, oh, I need to respond specifically to that. Right. Mm. Yeah. You know, I yeah. thought you were going to be hard about it. You weren't. You were soft. You just weren't giving me what I want. Okay, how do I respond to soft? I can't rage at you. You're not giving me that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, I remember um, uh, working with uh, Juan Berroman from um, mm-hmm. at Bindlestiff in the, mm-hmm. l- the last show that I was in there a couple years ago. And um, I loved his approach to uh, approaching text. Uh-huh. Right. So, you know, we uh, one of our first read-throughs, it was just a back and forth, and it kind of felt perfunctory, right? Okay. Right. You do your line, and you do your line, right? right. So then we started to play around, right? So one cool thing that we did was um, each person can also um, speak whatever subtext, mm-hmm. what's going on in their head. They yes. speak it aloud, mm-hmm. right? And then it, and, and and then the other person has their reaction, and they can uh, either either use a text on the page, or they can mm-hmm. speak what's going on in their head or their heart, right? And yeah. you just go back and forth like that. So that was a cool one. Another really cool one was. Um, this is the funniest thing you've ever heard in your entire life. So you oh, have to like mm-hmm. be like laughing in tears, laughing mm-hmm. belly laugh, mm-hmm. and and then that and com- combine and overlaid with the actual text, which was right. not funny at all. <laughs> right, right, right. It was a it was a very yeah, very cool. Yeah. And then when we finally got it on our feet, um, and we rehearsed it, you know, six ways to Sunday, um, he we did an exercise where. One person is not allowed to say anything. Mm-hmm. They just have to just physicalize. Mm-hmm. Then the other, and then you flip it. Mm-hmm. Then the other person can speak, and then well, you yeah. can speak, and then the other person has to. Um, yeah, I can imagine that forces you to act or to uh, take some action without using the words. The mm-hmm. words that become you know take away the crutch. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yeah. then and then the silence, especially in times of anger, that that a lot more things actually can come out mm-hmm. in those moments mm-hmm. when you don't go right to eleven. And sometimes, you know, just in my own personal life, if you're having a fight with, with the, your best friend, your loved one, and it's those quiet moments that are actually the most painful. You're mm. absolutely right. You know, that, that's a very good point. Yeah, because yeah. there are all sorts of you know little just ten, tense moments. I mean, right. um, the things I'm, where mm-hmm. you reach for the hand and yeah, yeah, it's not there. Right, right. <laughs> right. Now I'm trying to think of a playwright yeah. uh, who wrote the birthday party. Pinter. Pinter yeah. is yeah, yeah, yeah. very big on silences and, and pauses. things. Pauses. Yes. Pinter pauses. There. Right. I, I mentioned that yesterday. I was like, yeah. so this playwright is famous for this. Um, I gave them a blank scene yesterday, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a wonderful little blank scene. It's I, it's funny. I got the script as an A B scene, a two character scene. Mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to make it a three character scene, so I just split the lines up slightly differently. I added a pause in the middle, and I added that one at one point in the sequence of lines, character C doesn't say anything. It's like there's the little C, colon, and then just a dash mm-hmm. with no explanation. 
And it was interesting to see the different ways that people played with it. And that's what it's there for. It's intentional. Mm -hmm. And I said, what I want you to recognize about this is it isn't always designated in the script that you're doing something when the other people are talking and you don't have a line. But the fact is you're always doing something when the other people have a line. Yep. Even if it's just listening, Mm -hmm. that's active. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the best actors are, are the ones who you can tell their minds are working. You can tell that they can pick up all sorts of subtext mm-hmm. and add all sorts of stuff. It's almost like um, if like I had this morning, I had um, fried. I had um, what do you call it? Eggs, um, scrambled eggs. Oh, okay. You can fix scrambled eggs 15 different ways. Right. Add all sorts of seasonings or whatever. And, right. you know, sometimes an actor, they could just say, well, here's the script. I'm going to say my lines, whatever. It's like plopping the egg in the frying pan and just frying and just it, letting it and go, just not right. you know like not even paying attention mm-hmm. to the to temperature no seasoning just no nothing uh, but then you get those who are like okay let me really think about what i can do and right. all that sort of, and those are the best actors absolutely yeah uh current events there are really only two things that i have um i, I was just just up so upset with uh jeff sessions and um, what, is, what has he done now? <laughs> well, okay, so you know about what's happening uh, with the illegal immigrants and yes. they're being separated in this report. Of families, I believe uh, it's 20,000 20, kids have uh-huh. been separated from their parents. I, I think this year, uh, I'm not sure what the stats are, but about two days ago, he uses the Bible. Oh, right. Romans yes. 13. Right. Basically saying, obey the government. The government is ordained by God. So right. if you obey the government, you obey God. So Yes. And this <clears throat> is the same uh, text that was used to justify slavery. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And keep in mind, the apostle, I, I have a faith podcast. I have a Christian podcast that I do in the morning. Paul was in jail when he wrote this. Right. Mm. For disobeying the Roman law. Mm. Right. And, and that I think was, he was and, killed for yeah, it. Yeah, it's always been believed that that was partly, that was motivating for him. It's to say, yeah, no, I, my belief has nothing to do with this government you're doing. We're, we're, not, we're right. not attacking you. So it just, uh, it just really, really frustrates me. I mean, doing evil is one thing, but doing it in the name of God and, you know, mm-hmm. hiding behind the Bible, that's. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and just this me. morning, uh, Trump openly <coughs> admitted that he's using this as a, as a negotiation tool. To get the wall. To get the wall. Oh. So, okay, yeah, I'm going to keep separating kids tactics. from their families yeah. until you can give me what I want, which is the wall, and then I'll fix that piece. It's amazing. He operates through pain. I mean, yeah. I never thought – I never knew him being – I mean, it's almost narcissistic. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I never – you know, when, I, when I've known Trump prior to his presidency, you know, it's like sort of a buffoon. You know, he's rich, but, you mm-hmm. know, he – I remember how he trashed the USFL. Did you know that he – yeah. He was an owner of the right, USFL. Right, right, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it was the uh, I forget the Philadelphia Stars. I think New Jersey oh, Stars or whatever oh, what it was. Mm-hmm. And um, but he tried to sue the NFL because they were operating like collusion or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he went to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court actually voted for the USFL's favor, but only gave them three bucks, three dollars <laughs> as the severance. Wow! Because he wanted to have USFL games in the fall, the same time as the NFL. And, of course, people wanted to watch the NFL games because right, it was more right. superior. Right, right. And people were like, listen, Donald, we can't fight the NFL, but no one can listen to him. And, you, you know, a lot of millions right. of people had lost their money. Yep. And, you know. and he clearly still has the beef <coughs> with the NFL and with the player. I mean, it's yeah. it's all that stuff just comes back. Well, he's perpetual beef with, with anything and everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, like f- having a fight with Justin Trudeau right. of, um, of Canada. Of Canada. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Um, I, I have a nephew, and I posted – basically, I've started uh, – you know, I'm tweeting now. I'm really kind of enjoying getting to know a little about Twitter. Um, my hashtag that nobody's catched on. Nobody, it's not catching on as far as I can see, but I keep using it is, this is Trump's America. <laughs> and I put that on a post of yet another evil, foul-mouthed woman. I don't know if you heard about this one in Daily City. Mm-hmm. I did. Oh. At the ca- at the cash register. Yeah, at the cash register, just evil woman. Oh, and tell me about, tell me about this. I missed this um, one. There's videotape of her. She's standing in line and she gets pissed off at the Asian <coughs> people in front of her. The Filipino people in front. I figured the words Daily mm-hmm. City. Come yes. on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and she starts muttering things and then she's angry at Filipino people. What's she doing in Daily City? <laughs> Go ahead. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> right. I'm like. Do you, 
this is the first time you must be new to Daly City. What the hell? <laughs> I've never driven in Philip. And it's Daly just like City the Becky who's uh, upset at black people in in um, in Lake Merritt. Right. Like, <laughs> hello, this is Oakland. Right. It's Go another ahead. one Barbecue of these. Becky. Yeah. So all I did was repost it with the hashtag "This is Trump's America." Well, my nephew just got mad. You know, you people are saying this and blah blah blah, and you, and it was like, whoa, uh, oh, and he wanted to point <clears> to Obama. And I'm like, um, oh, this was going on under Obama, he says, but nobody was complaining about it then. And I'm like, I haven't even directly addressed that part of what he's had to say yet because I'm like, what are you talking about? Obama opened his mouth regularly and got beat up for it. It'll mm-hmm. be easy to document if mm-hmm. I want to. Mm-hmm. But let's deal with the real issue here. Trump has given permission for these people Absolutely. to come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, and then his other thing was, and this is what's cracking me up or bothering me about all this. Is how this um, normalizing of yeah. what Trump yes. is doing keeps happening. He's the president <clears throat> of the United States. He's duly elected by we the people, and therefore we have a responsibility to support him. Not supporting him mm-hmm. is tearing down the country. And I'm like, okay, whoa. Um, number one, we the people did not vote for him. The Electoral College voted for him. We the people voted for somebody else. So, yeah, check the popular one. vote. Mm-hmm. Two, this is the United States of America. And and I just and I always love it when somebody starts to argue this stuff with me. I'm like, okay, I don't even have to make sentences now. I'm just going to make a list for you. Mm-hmm. How about the Civil Rights Movement? <clears throat> How about the Vietnam War? How about the Women's Movement? There are all kinds of times when people in this country have stepped up against the government. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to be mean about it, I probably could even point to that little war between the states. When people didn't pay attention That's to what right. the president had to say because they did what they thought was right, which is our right as Americans. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's amazing how it's, it's if, you know, when you think of America, you can think of loyalty mm-hmm. or you think of independence. I mean, this goes back all the way to the days of um, Thomas Jefferson. Right. And mm-hmm. um, the $10 bill, uh, Hamilton, Hamilton, Alexander yeah. Hamilton, where Hamilton was like, listen, the federal government should be a strong government and let the let the important people dictate what's going on right jefferson was like well no 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 no, no. we don't want to have a king right again mm-hmm. people can sort of handle themselves and the government can step in when the people go astray right but you know this this whole lawyer i mean this is a democracy this is not a i mean right. and even when trump made the uh, the, the uh, he made a joke about oh kim jong-un oh, yeah. <clears throat> everyone obeys him i wish i had that right <laughs> I mm-hmm. wish people would just stand up and obey. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just – it's just irony. I was just, you know. Well, you know, uh, just Fox News accidentally said when the two dictators <laughs> yeah. meet. Yeah. Yep, I saw That's that. That's right. I saw that. I heard about that. Michael, what do you think about all this? I mean, <laughs> I, I ask everybody this. I mean. Oh, I mean, it's uh, it's infuriating and it's numbing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it does feel like the new normal. Right. And um, – I haven't counted to see how many uh, friends I've lost on Facebook, but oh, I'm wow. sure I've lost a few, and I've unfriended a few also, just um, mm-hmm. as a matter of course, because um, there's certain people, in my opinion, especially at this age, where I'm mid-40s now, right. I'm, and most of the people I'm interacting with are that age, I'm not going to change their minds. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not worth my time and my energy. Yeah. Um, I, my, Linda and I, my wife and I, will... Um, very often, laying in bed in the morning when we wake up, we'll be like, hey, did you hear about the blah, blah, blah? Yeah, yes, I did. You hear about that? You know, because we're both reading WAPO, New sure. York Times. We're right. like mm-hmm. The Guardian. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're yeah. scouring through the news um, um, sources. <coughs> and then, and it's um, – I, 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 on the one hand, I want to stay informed. And on the right. other hand, it is just so utterly exhausting. Yeah, yeah I hear you. you know? A lot of people are really just staying away from the news because all of a sudden you get emotional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just, it just, it's one of those things you just can't put away. Mm-hmm. And it just sticks with you. So I totally understand. Yeah. Um, it's funny. So, yeah, Mike, you and I were talking just before Norman came that you'll be going back to the Philippines. You'll be going to visit yes. uh, family, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm going back uh, August 1st through the 15th, okay. bringing my girls there. My younger one will Yay. be her first time. And okay. yeah. For the older one, it'll be practically like her first time because she was only there when she was two. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm excited. Because I remember, so when, when you and I, when we were on stage in 2011, I had a girlfriend, Melody, and she's from the Philippines. And mm-hmm. it was during the time of... Uh, Arroyo. Was mm-hmm. it Arroyo? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Mm-hmm. And now Duterte is in power, and it's sort of the same parallel. Oh, really? I would think of what's happening here. Oh, yeah. Ha- do you – what's going on with Duterte, if you, if you know? I mean, Well, I mean, it's, it's, 
there's a lot going on with him. I and mean, the extrajudicial killings of um, supposed drug dealers yeah. and, and drug offenders is yeah. convenient. Uh, right. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think the statistics show that more he's he's been responsible for the killing of more people um, in his brief time in office than Marcos was when oh he was God. in power from wow, 72 to 86. That mm-hmm. Wow, that's, that's really, really horrible. I mean, to the point where... You know, you, it's like like a witch hunt. There was right. a, there was a mayor that Duterte didn't like, so he accused him of being a drug dealer or a drug addict. And then the mayor said, "You know what? I'm just going to turn myself in, and I'm just going to say, look, I'm you know, I'm, I'm going to go into the police station, and I'm just saying, I'm, yeah. I'm innocent." And then what happens? He gets killed. Right. Wow, because he yeah. trusted the system. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's uh, horrible what's happening uh, there in the Philippines. Well, at least government-wise. I mean, hopefully. They can turn things around. I mean, mm-hmm. just like 2020, I believe we can turn things around. I'm still very mm-hmm. hopeful. Well, shoot, 2018. I yeah. mean, we yeah. just <laughs> finished our election, and they finally – London mm-hmm. Breed. London Breed. Yes. That's, that was awesome. Yes. It's amazing. I'm, I'm a little like, wow. Yeah. And Did you hear about the little bit of collusion that was going on between Mark Leno and Jane, and Kim. Jane Kim? Well, collusion I, – I Maybe collusion's a little word. heavy, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it's ranked choice voice. It's how we got Gene Kwan. Okay. I like it. I think it's the way ranked choice voting is meant to work. Mm-hmm. I can choose my number one, and if my number done, one doesn't win, I can choose my number two, and maybe mm-hmm. that vote will yeah. will get counted. But the only way, the only reason I say collusion is it's clear. It's clear from the articles that I've read that Jane Kim told Leno, and Leno told Jane, "Hey, let's get our voters right. to." Vote for each other for number two. Right. If we don't get in, right. Tell our voters do not vote for Lin- for London, London Breed. Breed. Yeah. But it didn't matter. London Breed won anyway. Well, and they're still counting, which is also weird to me, and it's one of the ways that the media works that I hate. Mm-hmm. Before he conceded, we were hearing daily what the count was. Yeah. They're still counting. I have not heard a count since he's conceded. They yeah. just keep saying they're still counting. Yeah. And I'm like, well, but what's the count? Because mm-hmm. the last one I heard, I think she was up 1,800 points. Yeah. But there were still double-digit thousands of ballots to be counted. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, sounds like it could go either way then. What's up? Yeah, I thought that Leno had a chance, especially when, mm-hmm. you know, this whole – when she didn't – I guess she didn't win the majority or she didn't win a certain amount when the whole election was over. So that's when it kicked into – Right. Yeah. Right. Nobody got more than 50%. Right. So, and uh, and then when you know, and then there was talk that Leno did have the lead for a little he bit. He did initially, yeah. yeah. So, um, well, and then I realized the other, you know, San Francisco politics is its own little complicated mess. Um, this is only to finish out Ed Lee's term. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So oh, there'll be another right. election. So it's like a year or something. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there will be, an, and so I thought, yes, Mark Leno, do not raise a fuss. Mm-hmm. Because all these things were put in place for him mm-hmm. before this happened. And, like, I don't think London Breed would have even run if Edley hadn't died. Mm-hmm. Huh. I never heard her name prior to you had. Well, I knew you, her. You, you, yeah, you I knew worked her. with her, I think. She, yeah, she wor- ran the um, Cultural Center. Mm-hmm. It used to be the Western Edition. Now, I think – I. They kept changing the name for a while, but I think it's the African American Art and Cultural Complex. Okay. Um, yeah, she ran it, mm-hmm. and she ran it well. She was wonderful. So I really appreciated that. But I, if I were living in San Francisco, I would vote for one of the other folks because they're more progressive. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. an interesting thing to talk about racism mm-hmm. when you point to the fact that, oh, wait, y'all are supporting the black woman even though she doesn't represent your politics as well as these other candidates, uh, you're a little confused by color here, people. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in between this time and the next election, Linda Bree will have to prove herself. Mm-hmm. And if she doesn't, you know, pass these policies or implement right. policies that everyone wants, then. And, and I think she might prove herself. I think mm-hmm. now that she's gotten that position, because she had it for a minute, mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Mm. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, let's kick into an origin story. Uh, we have Michael Dorado, who's a uh, actor and director and um, uh, a longtime member of Vendelsif Studios. Um, how did you get involved in theater? I mean, are you born and raised here? I mean, uh, tell us about Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've been – I practically – I mean, I've been in the Bay Area since 1980. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I've bounced all around, Midwest, East Coast, Southwest, oh. and made it here. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, where, where are you originally from? 
I am. I was born in Illinois, Kankakee, Illinois. Oh. I would never guess hey. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm a Hoosier. That's right. My parents came here in um, 1964. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Philippines. Oh, no, I hate to hang on. It was 63, 64. Uh, early 60s, they were here. Yeah. Um, and they moved here shortly after they were married. And oh. um, uh-huh. and they decided to stick around. They, right. uh, uh, the first kid mm-hmm. was born in um, 1963. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty much uh, there was a, a small enclave of Filipinos in Illinois and also in um, in um, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, really? Yep, oh. yep. In, in Terre Haute, say, Indiana. In yeah, because usually an immigrant, mm-hmm. when they come to the United States, they usually stay on the coast. On the coast, right. So someone in the Midwest. That had to have been a culture shock for your family. It was. Your mom and dad. It was. It was a very, you know, the, uh, my, my parents, I think, um, maybe their generation, they, they tend to um, kind of try to overlook mm-hmm. some of the more overt stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when as my father was making his way up the corporate ladder, there were lots of people who were – Wondering who is this Fred Dorado guy? What is he? You know, right. like, mm-hmm. what's he coming in here and and doing this? And I have this uh, great memory of um, uh, this. I had there's this photo from the um, late '60s, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's my my dad is in this beautiful suit and he's sitting um, in this room with uh, posing with I want to say 15 other men, all white men, mm-hmm. all dressed to the nines. You know, it's a, a corporate picture. Right. Yeah. And for years and years and years, you know, I thought, oh, wow, it's so great. You know, you're able to participate in all this. And then just a few years ago, I learned that all those people reported to him. <laughs> you know, he was, is that right? he was the boss. He was Whoa. the boss. Yeah. Wow. It was pretty cool. You that know, it's uh, awesome. Because I'm thinking the post Mad Men era and something like that couldn't have happened. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. good for him. That's, man, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. He just sort of, you know, they uh, he, he kind of found found his way in, in that corporate world. Yeah. Which, um, which you know, I'm uh, you know, I've been in corporate. America for 25 years, and mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. I find similar types of things, you know, where you just kind of have to, mm-hmm. you, you kind of find your angles and you make your way, and it's uh, yeah. obviously much more diverse working here in San Francisco. But, Do you um, still talk to him? Is he still around? He is, yep. Fantastic. By the way, for happy pre-Father's Day to all you guys. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Um, so, so how, I mean, how did you get involved in, in theater? I mean, did you... Did you do plays and stuff when you were a kid? I did some. I did some with the with oh. our with our church mm-hmm. uh, in Fremont, back in Fremont, where I grew up. Um, I didn't really catch the the bug. I would say until um, probably college, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was um I was more of a sports guy in student government, and I did choir, and I did mm-hmm. I was in a song and dance troupe mm-hmm. that performed for lawyers' luncheons and stuff like that okay. <laughs> during the school day. Yeah. Um, but uh, the very first thing that I was in was actually a movie called Silencio. Mm-hmm. Mike, Michael Arago was the director, and mm-hmm. um, they were looking for somebody who could pass for uh, half Italian, half Filipino. You know, I think and, you um, showed us either a clip or a still from that. Yeah. A long time ago. I remember that. That was done. Was that shown in the Philippines or here? Uh, that was shown um, here. Okay. Yeah, it, it debuted at the, um, I think it was at the Mill Valley Film Festival, actually. Oh. And, uh-huh. um, but it played at the Asian American Film Festival in the Kabuki in um, yeah. San Francisco. And um, it's kind of a staple um, film in um, uh, Asian American studies classes. Um uh-huh. And, uh, certainly here in the Bay Area. Nice. Mm-hmm. Either theater classes or, or culture classes, history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was your first acting role? That was. That's amazing. That was. And, you know, and um, kind of caught the bug there. I, I I think being the youngest of four, I've always mm-hmm. sort of uh, been a ham. So yeah. <laughs> sort yeah. Of yeah. There's always been a little bit of that acting uh, mm-hmm. acting bug mm-hmm. in there with me. But to really go out there and um, and uh, do it more publicly, that mm-hmm. was the thing. And um and uh, shortly after I graduated, I went to the Philippines, and uh, I worked there for a year in a non-governmental organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied political economy of developing countries at Cal. So, um, wow, you know, it was a very, wow. it's a very, <laughs> a very meaty subject. So I wanted to go back to the Philippines and put it into practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother and I, my brother Steve and I, we recorded um, a song over there in the Philippines, and he actually ended up acting in a bunch of commercials over there and um, he had a song on the radio so Mm -hmm. that was pretty cool but when I came back um, in the um, fall of 96 I was um, it was uh, literally and figuratively it felt very cold Mm -hmm. in in the United States Mm -hmm. you know it was uh, the weather was colder obviously but just the um, I was missing that kind of camaraderie that 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 group culture in the Philippines right and um, yeah and I, I found 
this perfect mix of all that at Bindlestiff Studio. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right, Bindlestiff Studios. Mm-hmm. And so prior, so right now, Bindlestiff is on. Um, it's on Sixth Street. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sixth Street. Where, yep. where, where was it before? It was actually in the exact same spot. It just happened to um, be on the on the on oh, the top right, floor. Yeah, one eighty five Sixth Street. Mm-hmm. Yep. So why? My very first time there right, was because um, Bendelstuff mm-hmm. wasn't originally Filipino company. No. Bendelstuff was a little theater there. Mm-hmm. There was a th- Filipino group down. They were down in one of those little side streets. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So Cr- Christine Els, Christine Els was a, yeah one of the founders of one of the original founders of Bendelstuff. Mm. And uh, Lorna Velasco and others mm-hmm. um, would just go ha- go hang out there at the theater, and mm-hmm. they would kind of, you know, she kind of took her under her wing. And um, they did some really cool experimental theater. And at some point, when Christine decided, you know, she was going to step away, it just sort of become this sort of sort of re- reverse colonization. <laughs> it became right. uh-huh. this Filipino theater company. And uh, and I was um, I can't I had just come back from the Philippines, mm-hmm. and I uh, I loved being there. I loved seeing my family, but the the uh, the type of artistic vision in the Philippines wasn't didn't fit right with me. Yeah, uh-huh. in yeah. a lot of ways. And and some of it was the the humor over there at the time was um, pretty cruel, you know. It's hmm. um, In the Philippines? In the Philippines. Got it, okay. You know, um, you know if you're dark-skinned, if you have a wide uh, nose, if you uh-huh. have buck teeth, if you're poor, you know, right. it's, it, uh, it, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. so um, – the colonial mentality at, at that mm-hmm. time especially was um, pretty strong. And having, you know, um, grown up in the Bay Area and been involved with, you know, been, a, been mm-hmm. kind of a political activist, it was yeah. – Difficult, very, very difficult. So yeah. coming back to the Bay Area and discovering Bindlestiff and discovering this very unique form of theater, which mm-hmm. had so many elements of Filipino culture, but also Filipino-American culture and an edge to it, yeah. um, which uh, – and just humor. They, I was just dying laughing, you know, watching um, – Watching Tongue in a Mood for the first time. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, they had, they had a skit. Oh, where did you see them first? <laughs> I saw them first at, uh, at Bindlestiff. Yeah, it was in 1996. Oh. And it, they, they, one of their sketches was um, every every Filipino culture night, every PCN. Right? <laughs> just yeah. sort of a, it was a parody of it. And yeah. oh. everyone's like, bucket, high up, you know, like the, the <laughs> super high yeah. drama. Just sort of, and yeah. what I loved about it, it was, it was, um, it was embracing yeah. that side of our culture, but also allowing us to, to kind of like laugh Saturday at Night it, right? Live. It's like mm-hmm. Filipino Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sketch comedy. And it, and it allowed us to be, on the one hand, loving of our culture, but also critical of it at the same time. Sure. No, it, it makes perfect you know. sense. I mean, I remember watching, for the li- very little that I've watched, like SOP and mm-hmm. ASAP and Eat Bulaga or whatever, mm-hmm. you notice there are a lot of Philippine, I'm just going to say it, light-skinned Philippine folks mm-hmm. yep. who are there, who are like, you know, I guess the the premier, mm-hmm. I don't know, culture they're, they're whatever. It's a standard. It's yeah. that's the, the, the standard for beauty over there. That's why they, they still have Eskinol and all these other skin whitening soaps oh, and agents. Yeah, and that oh, just, the, the, just the, the movie stars get like the um, plastic surgery for their nose and for their eyes mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's um yeah. So anyway it was um yeah. but it was it was re- Bindlestiff really sort of was mm-hmm. was the um I would say that the thing that really sparked my, my interest in theater and um Yeah. And it was, and it was, it came at a perfect time, just coming back from the Philippines and mm-hmm. really wanting to find something just like yeah. this. And did you join them r- from right then and there? Uh, you, you know, I, I just I continue to watch shows and I hounded Alan Manalo about, <laughs> yeah. hey, <laughs> hey, is there anything I could be in? You sure, know, sure. To, you know, and uh, yeah, finally got to do uh, my first show with with Bindle Stiff was actually at um, the No Space mm-hmm. uh, in Petrero Hill. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the Kalat show. It was uh, Alan oh. Manala, the Kalat show. It was, so Alan was there. Oh, gosh. Um, um, OG, ton of, uh, ton, of, oh. ton of OG people, but OG mm-hmm. was there. Um, uh, Mark Marking. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh. The, the, the list goes on and on. It's, sure, all, it's sure. all the people that basically started Bindlestiff. And it was, um, mm-hmm. it, was a lo- it was a wonderful experience. I was incredibly nervous because this was sort of like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, this is what I've been wanting to do for years and years. And yeah. Then, but it was sort of the beginning of that, 1990. Um, so. Yeah. And around, uh, so, you know, you and I, we've talked about in 2011, you know, Bindlestiff, they do st- stories high 12. But also it was around the time that y- y- Bindlestiff got the new space. Yes. And that was, can you sort of talk about it? Because that gets into the the business of theater where mm-hmm. you could put on a play, but you have to work with sometimes city officials to get, Absolutely. you know, physical mm-hmm. space. Well, it was um, – you know, I, I take zero credit for for being able to 
for securing the new space. There were people who just soldiered on and on, and right. they, they, they got fought. the community. To, they to fought turn so out. hard. Yeah. They got the community to turn out. They mm-hmm. went to city hall. It was, but once that once we got that space, uh, there was sort of this feeling of gosh, I've, I've just run a marathon, mm-hmm. and then now I got to go run another one, right? Because now we have this incredible space that we have to run. Right. Sure. You know, and, and uh, you know, there's a certain amount of money you have to pay for rent. But right. then there's also the utilities and there's PG&E ah, and the, right. the bathroom breaks and the elevator. And on top of the fact that, um, you know, uh, half of the year we had to rent it out to right. other theater companies. Sure. It was part of the deal. Yeah. Um, so it was, um, it was a uh, – uh, there were definitely some growing pains. I, I joined the board right around that time too, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, was board president for a couple of years during that early time. And yeah. um, uh, we still it was still purely volunteer. We didn't have um, any paid staff, mm-hmm. so we uh, it was a working board. We had to really work to keep the lights on, and um, I certainly gained a, a huge appreciation for what we have, really. yeah, um, for that space and for um, you know and and. And to have and to see all these new faces come in, right? Yeah, right. that must and, be uh, really nice. Well, that was cool. Yeah, I can't remember it. how we first met, but I remember reconnecting at that point. Yes, and seeing you shepherding in the next generation of talent, yeah. and I was like, "Wait a minute, we're not that old." What the <laughs> hell? Mm-hmm. Feel kind of old sometimes going back. Yeah. But yes, it, it, it can feel that way. Yeah, right around yeah. that time, I think it was run by. Alan Casmorio and mm-hmm. Catavasco, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. That's right. And mm-hmm. Alan Manalo was uh, sort of on his way. He was mm-hmm. transitioning out of, uh, out of leadership yeah. position. That's one yeah. of the cool things about Bindlestiff as far as the leadership. You guys make sure that the leadership gets passed on mm-hmm. and that others sort of um, yeah. get to learn. It's right. almost like, okay, now I've done my share. Now it's mm-hmm. your turn, to, and this is how you can benefit. It's not just being on the stage but handling the behind-the-stage yeah, stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I – Again, I think I, I have a huge appreciation mm-hmm. uh, for for both sides mm-hmm. of yeah. the equation because you really can't have one without the other. Right. Yeah. You know? It's funny. You were mentioning just you know being in the space and handling the responsibilities. I remember when my uh, family moved out of the apartment to a house, and they were like, oh, we got a house. And all of a sudden, you see the bills. Like, oh, my God. You're like, oh, we got a house. We got a house. Oh, we got a house. Yeah. And then you have to deal with the responsibilities. And so that's yes. an interesting way of looking at, mm-hmm. you know, now you have the, the space. We should talk about this with Linda Ayers Frederick, you know, of Phoenix. And, you know, she's been doing this for like 30 okay. years Oh, or the so. Phoenix. Okay, yeah. yeah the oh, Phoenix Theater. Yeah, the Phoenix Theater. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about acting. Uh, did you did you go to school to learn acting? I I, uh, I didn't go full time to school, but I did take a number of classes at um in, at ACT. Okay, right. So on. they have the evening program, Studio ACT, and mm-hmm. um, cut my teeth with uh, Chris Harold. I'll give a shout Yay. out to him. Chris mm-hmm. Harold is just one He's of wonderful, a, an amazing, amazing teacher. He was. Cool. A, we had a scene study class where, um, uh, you know, we I, my scene partner and I we worked for hours preparing mm-hmm. it, and then we performed it for everybody and yeah i always like he always asked a cu- two questions um you know did you how did you feel and did you did you do what you planned to do mm. i like that um but this particular time after we performed the scene which i mm. thought was pretty good i thought we kind of hit some marks you know we had put a lot of time into it right he said we're going to do the scene again and i want i'm going to tell you when you can start your dialogue uh-huh. in other words and he said it something like this you have to earn the right to say the first words of the script. Right. Yep. And yeah. um, so it was just me and my scene partner, mm-hmm. and we were there, and I think I may have had the first line. And maybe three times, you know, um, I started to say the line, he said, stop. No, I don't believe it. I don't think you earned it. I don't I think right. you earned saying those first mm-hmm. two lines. Mm-hmm. So what we did basically was we spent – 10 minutes, it felt like an hour in mm-hmm. front of all these people, right? Mm-hmm. right. All these other students um, crafting these pre-beats. Right. Yeah. Right. Leading oh, up. Yeah. And it was such a, it was such an important lesson for me to, to, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, th- and you have to really earn your lines mm-hmm. the entire time. And the whole thing about mm-hmm. not having to go right to 11. Right. Right. Because the scene culminates in this um, potentially very violent episode mm. between right. these two mm. people, mm. and we just sort of jumped right to that yeah. right. Um, by screaming at each other and then kind of doing yeah. all these things that you know, which that's like at the surface that seems like the right thing to do, but right. um, mm-hmm. but he helped us un- unpack and uncover, and we did some mm-hmm. little exercises, power exercises, mm-hmm. um, 
and then we uh, ran the scene again, and mm-hmm. it was just like night and day. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, I have a quick fantastic. question for you, Norman. When you direct, because I know there's a hat that you put on when you're a teacher, right? And there's a hat that you put on when you're a director. Do the some do two co-mingle sometimes? Do you sometimes teach? Oh, constantly. Yeah. But um, but you have to remember in a professional setting that you that's not the job. Right. The job is not to teach. So if you teach something, it needs to be a sort of secondary, a byproduct of the collaboration, the respectful collaboration that mm-hmm. you're having with your fellow artists. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as you might, like I did actually with uh, Scapegoat. Scapegoat closes tomorrow. And um, with Scapegoat, I wanted one of the actors to do a dialect. And I said, well, why don't we try a South African dialect? And he said, oh, and he really like. He got nervous because earlier in the process he'd done another dialect, and he, you know, he said, "I said try British." He gave me something very specific. The next day, the next time we rehearsed, and I was like, "Okay, I like it. I'm worried about this. Let's try something else." Mm-hmm. And when I said South African, yeah, his eyes kind of lit in the way I thought. Just the suggestion in the first place might have mm-hmm. intimidated an actor. Mm-hmm. He wasn't intimidated, but he was intimidated when I said specifically South African. So I said, "Well." We were meeting for a radio interview the next day. I said, well, why don't we meet afterwards? It'll just, I swear, 10 minutes. We can do this. We're walking away from this radio interview, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. And I dig out my bag to pull out this. It's a little monologue that he did. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then I started tuning in my head. I started running a monologue that I do in South African dialect. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my God, because I like just fell into it as we're walking. And then I took his monologue and started looking for those sounds and those rhythms. Mm-hmm in it and we did sit down at a donut shop finally for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. but it was easily 10 minutes of walking as well just doing this off the top of my head and and i had to thank him afterwards because it was it was a lesson but it I wasn't intending to make a lesson. I, I'm working with you. I'm collaborating with sure, you. Sure, yeah. And that's the danger. And I, I run into the other kind of actor who just bristles at the notion that you think you're going to teach them something. Yeah, uh-huh. I hadn't thought about the fact that that could be disrespectful for the actor. Mm-hmm. But usually, I guess, that wouldn't even happen unless you're not getting something from the actor. Like you've directed before, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, do you sometimes incorporate teaching, or do you just assume – I've casted you. You know what you, you know what you're doing. So yeah, I, I try to. I mean, and I think the one of the first times I um, directed something was, um, gosh, it was uh, like 15, maybe the, uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, looking back on it, yeah, I think that um, I w- I was way too intense. Mm-hmm. You mm. know, and, and especially after the run started, you know, I was taking the notes and like, oh, you missed that beat, that beat, that beat, and right. it was, and it was. And I was like afraid to just let go, to let it go, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, so I, um, I think it was still a good piece, and I, and mm-hmm. I hope I hope that the actors, um, mm-hmm. you know, enjoyed working with me. But at the uh, looking at the time, I was, uh, I think I had this thing in mind of the, the uh, there's a physical script, right, from start to finish, mm-hmm. you right. know, and we worked really hard to build that together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you know I had written it all down and shared it with them and. So, but mm-hmm. you know, the theater is theater, and um, and it's a joint ownership That's of exactly the piece right. at the end of the day. So. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I'm I'm planning on seeing the closing show tomorrow, of Scapegoat, and I know it will be a different show than the show I let go of mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you know. It's okay for it to become – I mean, I know as an actor, I look forward to that moment. Get the director out of the room. Let this just be. I, and I think of it as a bouquet. Let it be – let it go ahead and blossom in its own time, in its own way. And, you know, let's hope none of the petals fall off before we close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there are times as an actor – I've never directed. I'm not even sure if I ever want to direct. But there are times as an actor where I need the director because I'm like – I'm not exactly sure with what I'm doing, or I'm giving the director something. I'm giving the show, my character, something. I need the affirmation, the confirmation. Hey, give me a pat on the head. Tell me I'm doing okay. Right. <laughs> um, but after I've gotten that, and I'm like, okay, get out of the way. Because, right. you know, there's some directors who are like, okay, oh, my God, you missed this, you missed that. And they right. just nitpick every little thing. Of course, it can never be perfect. Yeah. You know, 
You're supposed to pick up that that tray, you know, in Act Three. Even if it were perfect, <laughs> there'd still be, oh, I wish there was more of this or less mm-hmm. of that or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, that'll yeah, be perpetual. Yeah. I mean, that'll be yeah. forever. Yeah, it can't yeah. be. You know, as a director, you, it's it can't be your perfect. Sure. <laughs> it's it's our perfect, right? And right, that, right. And sometimes the 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 happy mistakes are the most interesting things that happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. On stage. Have you have you been on stage outside of Windows Stick? Um, I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of my um, and on screen. And on screen well, with Norman, yeah. in fact. <laughs> you got to do a wonderful Is that project. Right? Yeah, Code oh, Dragonfly. Code Dragonfly, yes, Ron Santiano. I kept hoping they would bring that back because I loved He was the chief. That was the chief. And it was like, okay, so I won't be back at least in that iteration unless they decide they want a crazy professor. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was playing this crazy professor. Uh-huh. Um, You're awesome, African, by the way. Yes. A crazy African <laughs> professor. Mm. Um, which I had a lot of fun with. I had fun with it, but I loved that he was basically like Q. He was that. The you know mm-hmm. the spy chief, mm-hmm. and after all the action is over, there he is waiting to say, "Okay, so you've done another mission. We've got another one for you." And yeah. sending her <laughs> off to do something else. Exactly. I was like, dude, I will so enjoy watching you do this. This will be so fun. It was great. Wow, it was fabulous. Cool. Yep. But what, what what other companies have you worked with? Well, so let's see. Crowded Fire, Crowded Fire Theater mm-hmm. Company. Cool. Mm-hmm. I did um, a show with them called Made. Apostrophe okay. M-A-I-D. It's an Eric Ean play. It was a world premiere, and it was a an adaptation of The Little Mermaid. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. And uh, it was about these um, this uh, teenage couple, mm-hmm. um, and especially I, – so I played the, the boy, and then there was the girlfriend, uh, um, uh, uh, Juliet Tanner, is the oh. actress. Yeah, Juliet. She's fabulous. And, yeah. But but she we're cutters. Okay. Ooh, we right. Cut, yes. right? So yeah. we, okay. we cut each other. We sure. cut ourselves. and But she has this – fantasy of becoming a mermaid so she's cutting her legs mm. and you know um, and wrapping them in mm-hmm. this muslin cloth mm. to uh, to become a mermaid and right. it took place uh, it was in the round and yeah. they built this uh, amazing set where um, you have a, a platform on top where people can enter from and exit to oh. and then it, the entire thing took place um, in uh, about three inches of water. So the under underneath uh-huh. the platform was the underwater part, sure. mm-hmm. and um, it was uh, it was wonderful. And it had live music, had mm. live music, wow. and um, um, uh, David Rhodes um, he uh, he wrote the music. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a fabulous composer. Wow, that's and, um, fantastic! Yeah, so Crowded Fire, um, uh, Bindle Stiff uh, did a, a world premiere musical. Many many years ago, called um, Casino, mm-hmm. uh, Judith Offer. It yeah, was, uh, I know <laughs> Judith too. Yes, 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 and it was all about you know uh, the fight for um, having a casino. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Jerry yeah, Brown yeah. wanted Jane to a casino. He, he was trying to find some mm-hmm. way to uh-huh. designate part of Oakland as Indian land, yes. tribal, and get a yeah. tribe attached. Oh, I see. So he could open a casino. So here. like Cash Creek or uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was he was hoping mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, no. no. <laughs> the yeah. the uh, the native the folks that are native to this area were nomadic, mm-hmm. so it, it's a lot harder to say. Oh, and this is their tribal land. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I hear you. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, and uh, oh gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Ray Ray Carolino. You know? Do you know Ray also? I know the name. Ray Carolino, mm-hmm. Filipino American director. He's um, Shakespeare is his muse. He has oh, done so okay. many Shakespeare shows. Many of them at. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at the Phoenix, in okay. fact. So, oh, okay. so we did um, Midsummer, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Midsummer Night's Dream there, and um, many years ago also. Uh, I, I had he's great because he does non-traditional casting, mm-hmm. sure, right? So oh, um, very cool. So I got to play um, um, Tennessee Williams, the writer in View Carré. Wow, oh. which was super cool. Um, very very nice. Really really cool. Yeah. So yeah. Now I know that you 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 have a family. You have uh, two kids and a, a beautiful wife. Um, and that's sort of taking you away from theater. Are you itching to get back, or is it just? I am. I yeah. am. I am, and I'm soon enough. Soon yeah. enough, my, mm-hmm. my my girls are performers in their own right. They're dancers. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're on a competitive dance team, and mm-hmm. uh, we have we drive around to different mm-hmm. competitions, and mm-hmm. we'll be flying to New Jersey for these world championships at the end of July. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm a dance dad. I got <laughs> to. <laughs> did, did you enjoy? Um, being on film because you've done film and you've also been on the stage. Which mm-hmm. do you enjoy the most? Or had did you oh enjoy gosh, the most? you know they're they're so different. They're I really love them both. Yeah. I love them both. I love I love the energy of of a crowd. Sure, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, 
I actually love seeing all the faces mm-hmm. in the audience. Right. I love when I mm-hmm. see people that I know. Yeah. I know there's some people, and it's me early on in, in my acting career. They get um, nervous. It would yeah. get me nervous. I'd, I'd look on the thing and say, oh, so-and-so's coming. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what, you know. But, right. mm-hmm. but then now I see it. Oh, so-and-so's going to be there. That's great. I can mm-hmm. I can break that fourth wall and deliver <laughs> this line right onto them. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Very, yeah, very yeah. cool. I love the posterity of – of having film, yeah. you know, and uh, and now these days with the distribution that piece you methods did with the suit, um, where you're walking down the street, yeah, Silencio, yeah, ooh, ooh, yeah, so gorgeous. That was that was the thing that that caught me the bug right there, Silencio. Yeah. I wonder if it's online because I would love to uh, see. Yes, that, yeah. in fact, you can. You, it's on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Okay. Um, if you send me the link, then I will put it on the, uh, the show notes and stuff. Absolutely, and, and just the the distribution now is so. Mm-hmm. Um, you, there's so many channels, right? right. So, so Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. a couple of pieces um, yeah. are are on there from Ron Santiano. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think the the feature length one that I was in. Um, he uh, that one is on there. Oh, um, what, was that the serial um, character? She had like a supernatural power mm-hmm. or something. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Why can't I think of the name of it? I'm Gosh, blanking on I it as know. well. But uh, anyhow, well, it, which is funny because I think <laughs> that's what I first worked with him on, and mm-hmm. all I played were a bunch of tiny little roles. So like, there's one where I'm on a news panel yes. on the TV in the bar where the scene is taking place. Yes. So you have to ignore the scene in order to see me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. No, no, that's um. Uh-huh. And then uh oh gosh, it did uh, Eve. Uh, Eve. Yeah, prophecy it? of Eve. Prophecy of Eve. Thank you. Gosh. Sorry, Ron. <laughs> that was great. I, yeah. I, lo- I loved working with Ron, and, and I got to meet so many other – it's such a small, especially in the Bay Area. You sure. Know, you, you do a shoot with somebody, like with, with Jeannie. Right. Right, and then Ron was there, and they said, mm. hey, hey, do you want to do this thing? And then – Right, right. Uh, you know, and then I was uh, – then uh, did a, uh, a thing with um, uh, Vampiraya. I had a small, uh, small piece in that, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Abaya's uh, piece. Uh, feature-length film, and then the the the, the DP there, yeah. um, they were um, gonna do a music video, and they needed somebody to play a DEA agent, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and they had seen my role as you know various sort of uh, uh, mm-hmm. agents and officers and whatnot, so yeah. it seemed to, to fit well. So, um, and I, I, I to be honest, I appreciate directors of color who are willing to do non-traditional casting, right? Because when I tell my friends who mm-hmm. are um, who are not Filipino, who are not yeah. people of color. Uh, and I say, oh, yeah, yeah, I played the agent. I've played uh, the head of a fictional FBI agency mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And say, oh, wow, I, I would have thought you would have just played kind of gangsters or, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. But it also, it's also, uh, it's, it's, it compliments, you know, you. I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're very down to earth. And, you know, you're, I think you're the type that could just handle all sorts of characters. Well, I certainly love character work. I've, yeah. um, very early on, my acting teacher said, do the character work because you're probably not going to be a leading a leading man. <laughs> well, who among us can be? <laughs> who, uh, was it Asian American Theater who produced Banyan the first time? It was. Yeah. Okay. He was in Banyan. Oh gosh, wonderful. Two thousand five. Wonderful, silly ass character. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Kabing. Yeah. 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 yeah Shout we, out we, to we, a You got to get back on on stage or whatever because you know Yay. you're a talent that's that's Thank really you. really nice. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, Shout outs because we're um, getting yeah, close to the we're hour. that time. Birthdays. Um, birthdays. Yeah. Uh, today is John Balma's birthday, and it's so funny. He's um, an old Bay Area actor, and I say old. He's actually my age, but um, <laughs> but he was just an amazing talent, and he was part of the original Z Collective, which eventually evolved into the Z Space. Right. Very nice. Um, so uh, they have a photo. They have a panoramic photo in the Z mm-hmm. Space um, of that original Z Collective, mm-hmm. and uh, he's in it anyway. Today is his birthday. Um, this week, uh, Kim McMillan, who makes theater here in Oakland. Um, Alex Branch, an old girlfriend of mine, lives in the mm-hmm. Southern California. I'm not sure if she still does theater. Uh, Sonia Alar, a woman I knew from college, amazing singer and powerful actress. Uh, Brian Freeman was part of Apropomo Homo, among other yes. things. <laughs> okay. And, um, yeah, uh, he – the last thing I remember seeing him do up here, I think, was um, the pro- the West Coast premiere of the America play, the um, – Susie Lurie Parks mm-hmm. play the Lincoln play that mm-hmm. she wrote, um, and he was just amazing. 
uh, Dan Wolf, um, who does a lot of theater, does a lot of devised theater, um, also does stuff with uh, hip-hop theater. Cool. And it's funny because as I was recruiting for the Eugene O'Neill mm-hmm. program, there's one of the high schools, I think Pittsburgh, um, has him as an artist in residence, and he help makes devised theater with him. And Mara Lacawant, who uh, is an educator, Ph.D. in theater, um, and I met her at the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts. We worked together at Each One Reach One, mm-hmm. and um, and now she's doing something, I think, here in Oakland as a consultant. And I, every time I see her, I'm always hitting her up for work. I'm like, well, so what else you got going? <laughs> Get me some work. I hear right? you. So these are birthdays for all these people this week. And uh, for me, uh, Alicia Von Kulgen, who um, I acted with her. Uh, doing Civil War Christmas, and she was a guest on the Yay. Remember her, Norman? She was the Jewish lady. Oh. Um, and we talked all about um, how she dealt with Christmas during uh, uh, as a Jewish person. Yay. But today is her birthday. Uh, Paul Myers, a fantastic stage manager, uh, who, as a matter of fact, Paul Myers, I think he worked with us. No, I'm getting him confused with someone else. Oh, okay. But Paul Myers, he worked with me on um, Bat Boy. Ah, yeah. uh, and um, and um, Debbie does Dallas the musical. So his birthday is today. <laughs> awesome. uh, Fitzgerald Yabut, uh, who is the brother of Forty, who um, who was on stage, a fantastic Philippine actor, mm-hmm. uh, who worked, uh, who did my musical Nia. So their birthday is today. Um, also, Dion Aquino Chi. Oh yes, her birthday is Wednesday. And uh, I'd love to have, see her back on stage again. She's a actress and director, uh, yes. but she she moved to Seattle, and I think she's back to uh, you know I think she's in Vegas now. She's oh. in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, also, Eve Teak, who is uh, a actress and also a musician. She, I've worked with her. We did Skin of Our Teeth at the Douglas Morrison Theater. Her birthday is on Wednesday. And who else do I have? I think that is it for me. So happy birthday to you all. If you've got yes. projects, you hear about this and you've got projects, let us know what you're doing or projects yes. you just want to promote. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get to do it last week because I forgot. Well, actually, I think it just came out this week, the Counting Actors Project. Yeah, let's do it. Um, we'll have Valerie um, so Week every next month, week. Yeah, Valerie Week will be with us hopefully next week. Um, every month they put stats out counting what the gender representation is on Bay Area stages. So this in May they had 13 shows. Um, it says bringing the total show count of the project to 1,043 shows, wow. which wow. is pretty cool. Cool. Um, so in May, they had 21 playwrights, three women, 17 men, mm. one trans. Okay. Directors, 18, five women, 12 men, one mm. trans. Mm-hmm. Union actors, 42, 14 women, 28 men. Yeah, okay. This is a good month for men. Non-union actors, 61, 40 women, 20 men, one trans. Total actors, 103. Uh, the companies mentioned, yeah. Banya and Sonia and Masha and Spike at the Contra Costa Civic Theater. Me and My Girl at 42nd Street Moon. What the Constitution Means to Me at Berkeley Rep. Eureka Day at the Aurora Theater. Marjorie Prime at the Marin Theater Company. Father Comes Home from the Wars, American Conservatory. An entomologist love story at SF Playhouse, which is supposed to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Palace Records at Central Work. Jesus Christ Superstar, the Ray of Light Theater. Rolled. Nice. Uh, the Fantastics, Landmark Musical Theater. Wafrika at Theater First. Ooh, when Pigs mm-hmm. Fly at the New Conservatory Theater. And the $18 billion prize at the Theater Planners Theater Verte Collective. All so right. Yay nice. for uh, Valerie <laughs> Week and yes. keeping up that, you know. It's so funny, holding up that mirror to our mm-hmm. community and saying, hey, is this how you want to be represented, because this is what it looks like. Uh, yep, exactly. It's, it's very cool. Um, Any shows? i got to get my show in. Yeah. No, I, um, uh, well, you know, I think there are tickets, tickets still left. We have a 2 o'clock matinee, 7 o'clock show tomorrow for mm-hmm. the end of Scapegoat. Yep. Um, and, no, and then I've got uh, my kids will be performing at the Eugene O'Neill Dow House in Danville next week, I think, at noon, or I think that's when we list. Mm-hmm. The start. I think we actually make people look at the house or something for an hour before we actually do the show. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm I've been kind of swallowed, consumed with all that. So unfortunately, I don't have any other shout outs. It's okay. I, I do have one quick shout out. Yes, go for it. My dad, July uh, June eighth. Yes, it was his birthday. He turned oh, seventy eight. Right. Yay! Happy, Happy birthday, birthday Pop. And also, um, mm-hmm. 
Warriors brought a victory to that day. That's so right. There you go. Game game Warriors, yeah. Yes. Did you guys go to the festivities? I mean, well, there was only the the parade. Right. Did you guys? Uh, oh, I watched it. I watched yeah. it. I watched it I had on to work. TV. Yeah, so there are two too. shows I want to uh, to pump to pimp pump. Uh, Sense and Sensibilities at the Town Hall Theater. That's uh, that began its uh, run May 31st and it ends June 23rd. And I just heard a wonderful rave for that. So yeah, yeah that's great. Cool. Directed by Susan Evans and uh, and acting Alan Coyle. Coin is acting in that. Yeah. Both were uh, guests on the A. Yeah. Also, Universal Robots. Have you heard about this? No, I've not heard about this. This is a company called Quantum Dragon. Mm. Uh, mm. It's playing at the uh, Phoenix Theater. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And uh, oh. Michael Agrelli is in it. Oh. So I'm going to check that out. Yes. That's, uh, that'll open actually June the 29th. So it hasn't opened just yet. Uh, and that'll uh, it'll end July the 14th. And I'll uh, post some. Um, I'll put a link. Uh, to that. Yeah. Mike, did you have a good one fantastic time? Did you have a good time? Absolutely. Right on, Absolutely. Man. It was great seeing you. Great to see you, too. <laughs> yeah, very, very pleasant surprise. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Ferocious Lotus Theater Company also has a show. Okay. I thought they did, yeah. They do. It's Two Mile Hollow, and it's um, opening uh, in just a couple days, June 23rd to July 15th, Petrero Stage. At okay. the Petrero Stage, yes. Yes. Oh, that's right. Send me a link, and I'll, uh, I'll yeah, uh, post yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think that's it. That's I want to wish my dad. <laughs> yeah, she she was in while we were doing tech. She was in with somebody making notes on stuff. And it was like, you work. Go, girl. <laughs> Two last things. Um, number one, we're having auditions for Foreman in Paris. That will be on July the 15th. Hold on. Let me get my calendar out. I believe it's the 15th. 15th, yes. July 15th, Sunday, July the 15th. <laughs> and... Um, so, and that will be well. I'll I'll have a link to that uh, to um, to promote that for four men in Paris. Cool. And uh, so that's one. And two, Dad, Happy Father's Day! You've been a fantastic dad. Love Yay. you so much. Yes, for all fathers. To all the fathers. Happy Father's, happy father's, father's Day, Bob. Day. Absolutely. It's a weird place to be. <laughs> it is. Exactly. All right. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes. Click on Store. Use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and you can search for the Yay, and you will find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. (laughs) And you will find us. We'll take it from there. And And we've got to find find a better better (laughs) sign-off. We're out. (laughs) 